Well, welcome everybody. I heard a few giggles go through the room when we showed the Mother's Day slide with the goat on it. And you probably, what in the world is all that about? Well, come Mother's Day and find out and, um, and you'll see. But so we got a special day planned for you. And also, if this is your very first time here today, I, I know there are many of you that are your first time. I've met you out in the atrium and man, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. And I hope that God really just speaks to you today and, and gives you guidance. And, and I, I hope that you'll come back and try this again. We'd love for you to join us in what God is doing here. And I'll tell you, there's some really exciting stuff. So if this is your first time, welcome. And if this is your first time joining us online today, welcome to you. Everybody watching us there couldn't be more thrilled that you're able to join us in this way. Well, I'll tell you, we are in um, our campaign right now called Go West. And as we get started, I just want us to be reminded and keep this on the forefront of our minds that uh, our theme verse is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 through 21. And let's read it together. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever Amen. We believe that with all of our hearts here at New Life, that our God is able. And I know many of you do as well. Can I get an amen if you believe God is able? He is absolutely able. He's able to do more than we can do. Our God is able to dream bigger dreams than what we can dream. Our God has a bigger imagination than what we have. In fact, if we took the collective brain power of everybody in this room, And we dreamt up the biggest idea ever. And we thought it was the greatest idea that ever ever came about. It pales in comparison to the vision and the dreams and the imagination of our holy God. And the beauty of these truths are also found in the next part. Is that God who has this big imagination and all that he wants to do and all of his dreams for generation and generation. He wants to do that and accomplish it through us. Now, isn't that a crazy idea? God's big dreams accomplished through people who can't dream as big as him so that he gets the glory, not just today, but for generations to come until he returns again. Now, that's one of those thoughts that requires you to probably sit down and just think about just a little bit. Our big God doing huge things through us for his glory. It's a powerful thing. These, though, are the truths and others that we are believing with all of our hearts as we go west. And we believe that God's vision is at work through us for his purposes, for his glory. And I'm telling you, that is a really great place to be, right there in his vision, fulfilling his purposes. Well, we've been praying together for the last couple of months and I'd like to do that again right now. So would you join me in prayer as we lay these things before God, dear Heavenly Father, As we have been doing now for many, many months, we just pray that your will be accomplished through this Go West campaign. That Lord, we believe that you have put this vision on our hearts and it's your vision. And Lord, we acknowledge that we have watched you provide, we have watched you go before us and you've done many great things and and it's been incredible to see, Lord, how you have positioned us and how you've prospered us even through some very trying times. But Lord, to get to the point we are today, we come into with a lot of confidence, seeing what you've done and knowing what you promised to do. So Lord, help us to be humble, help us to be wise, help us to be forever trusting of what you're doing. And Lord, use us, we pray, in any way you see fit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. 
Well, I'll tell you, it's hard to believe that we're already in week number three of our Go West campaign. Um, one week closer, the way I look at it, to seeing this vision of a second New Life Christian Church campus that's going to open out on the west side of Bella Vista. One week closer to that becoming a reality, where we will be one church meeting in two locations in our community for greater kingdom impact. And I, I hope and pray that everybody's doing their prayer guides. Um, it looks like this. If you don't have one, you can download one off of our website, or you can pick one up for your out in the atrium before you go home. But this is a 15-day prayer guide that is taking us all the way up to our 24-hour prayer event. So if you haven't done it yet, we are on day 11 today. Jump right in at day 11 and start with us. Feel free to go back anytime and make up any lost time. But if you're just now, jump in on day 11, pray with us through the next uh, week, and then sign up for the 24-hour prayer event. We're really hoping uh, a great participation. We we want this Friday into Saturday. We don't want one second of that to be, to be missed in prayer. So we're seeking five people to sign up for each 30-minute block of time and dedicate that to prayer. And you can go to our website or you can get there through our app on the Click the Go West icon and you can, uh, and you can sign up for that. And I would encourage you to do so. Now on your seats when you walked in here today, you found several things. I'm gonna be talking about those a little bit later, but there's a campaign booklet. There's a few other things, but I wanna say a quick word about the little keychain that everybody received. You guys get a keychain? You wanna hold it up like this? And if you didn't have one right by you, um, uh, that means somebody around you snatched yours. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but we got lots of these. You can pick them up the atrium, but this is a little compass, and it has our logo on the back, and this is just a prayer prompt. Some of you may want to connect this to your keychain, put it somewhere, hang on to it, and every time that your hand comes across this or you see it, we just want that to be an encouragement to pray. And the reason it's a compass is because we're going west, and we wanted something that would remind you to go west, and, and you know what we discovered when we ordered these? Nobody sells compasses that just point west. I know it's hard to believe, but we were wanting to get compasses that just pointed west, and we weren't going to take all these apart and glue them facing west, so you get a compass that goes in every direction, and maybe, maybe you over-spiritualize things like I do sometimes, but I will turn to the west, and I'll pray, but that's just a little prayer prompt, and I hope it reminds you to keep these things before God, but I'll tell you, we believe God is doing something big here, and like it says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, we just can't even honestly imagine yet all that God has in store because he dreams bigger dreams. But what we can imagine and what we can see quite clearly is the steps of faith that God is putting before us to take right now. These steps of faith, I believe, will be expressed through generosity. God's best for our church family will be seen through generosity. And I believe that God's best for you and your life will be seen through generosity. Now, let me share something with all of you here today that I know many of you already know this and you believe it and you have seen it in your own life, and you could probably stand up here and testify to the reality of what I'm about to share with you. But it's this generosity will change you, and for the better. Generosity will change you, and it will be for the better. And this idea really does cut against the grain of how a lot of people think today, isn't it? Now, we may not be this blunt with it, but if you look on social media, you look at the news, and you look, our, our world has a what-can-I-get-for-me mentality. You know, I mean, again, it may not be said this bluntly, 
But there is this sense in, in many people that I've got to get mine. Uh, that's for me. Look at what I've got. I'm investing in me, my future, my toys, my time, my plans, and on and on and on. People today, whether they, in, in, whether they intentionally set out to do this or maybe it's just something that comes up out of us, maybe a little bit out of pride, but there's this sense of look at what I've got. And I want the world to see what I've got. I want the world to know what I have acquired by my own doing and my own hands and how I've been able to bless myself. And, and we know the futility of that kind of thinking. Jesus' message was quite the opposite of how many people in our world today think. Paul is quick to point this out. And, and he says so in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. He is, he is uh, uh, referring to something that Jesus said. And this is what he said to a group of elders in Acts 20, verse 35. He said, remembering the words of Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than receive. Those are Jesus' words. It is more blessed to give then receive. And do you see how Jesus' words are the exact opposite of how many people see themselves today and how they live their lives? But they're exactly the opposite of our, of our world. And Paul's just pointing that out, that the reality is this. The blessing, the blessed life, the real blessing comes from the giving end of things, not the getting end of things. It's Jesus who said that you're more blessed when you, when, when you give than when you get so when I say the phrase that generosity will change you and for the better, I'm just repeating Jesus's message. I'm just repeating the message that the Apostle Paul was repeating from Jesus. I'm just repeating the message that is, that is stated in many different ways throughout all the pages of Scripture that the real blessing in this life comes from the giving in, not the getting in. I'm just repeating the message of the testimony that I've heard from many of you and what I've seen in my own life that it is surely more blessed to give than it is to receive, that you can actually live a more blessed life when you give. Now, isn't that something? That's right from the pages of God's Word. That's right from the mouth of Jesus. I'll tell you, one of the greatest experiences that I ever had in my life, I talk about it all the time, was going to the country of Israel on a Holy Land tour and to visit all the places that Jesus went, all the places that the Bible talked about. It was a life-changing experience. Well, one of those places um, that I went to um, uh, was the Dead Sea. Have you heard of the Dead Sea before? It's, uh, it's sometimes in the Bible it's called the Salt Sea. It is the lowest body of water on the planet. That's my understanding. It sits about 1,400 feet below sea level. And do you know why they call it the Dead Sea? It's because it's absolutely dead in every way. Now, I mean, as you're coming to it from a distance, it actually looks quite beautiful. It's a very beautiful body of water, but it's a dead body of water. Nothing is living in the Dead Sea. And that's because it is about nine times saltier than the ocean. So that's what makes it dead. Nothing can live in there. It's about 10 miles wide. It's about 40 miles long. But you're never going to see anybody cruising across the Dead Sea in a jet ski. You're never going to see that. You're never going to see somebody drop a sailboat in there and take a pleasure cruise across the Dead Sea. No, 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 no. You're never going to stand on the edge of the Dead Sea, throw a fishing line out there, and catch a thing because there are no fish at all in the Dead Sea. Now, the highlight of my time at the Dead Sea, and the same highlight as many people who visit the Dead Sea, is actually going out for a swim. Well, it's not actually a swim. It's more like a float. 
Well, in my case, it's more like a bob, okay? It's impossible to sink. You just sit there and float. In fact, this is me a couple years ago in the dead sea. No. Oh, wait a minute. No, I don't know who that dude is. But hey, that's the Dead Sea, and it's impossible to sink. It's one of the most odd feelings in the world. And just out of curiosity, has anybody ever floated in the Dead Sea? A few of you? Isn't that just the strangest experience ever? I mean, you could bob all the way out to the middle, and, and you, just, you just can't sink. But here's what's interesting to me about the Dead Sea. Did you know that there is fresh water flowing into the Dead Sea continuously? All the time. There's a continuous stream of, of, of fresh water. In fact, you can see it on a map. I have a satellite image behind me of the country of Israel. And you see the big body of water there at the bottom. That is the Dead Sea. And you're going to notice, if you look to the north of the Dead Sea, you're going to see the Jordan River. And the Jordan River flows continuously right into the Dead Sea. And there's other little streams and tributaries that also contribute to it. But it's just, it, it just is constantly going in there. But here's the problem. The Dead Sea has absolutely no outlet. And because it has no outlet, all that fresh water that comes in there, well, it just sits there idly. And the Dead Sea is out in the desert, so when the hot desert sun comes up, it dries things up, and what's left behind is this salt, mineral residue. And it's just gonna get more salty, more concentrated as more time goes on. You can say it like this. It receives... It just doesn't give. Now, now contrast the Dead Sea to the Sea of Galilee to the north. So just follow the Jordan River up to the north. You're going to see the Sea of Galilee. Uh, it's the Jordan River that feeds the Sea of Galilee just like it does the Dead Sea. But the Sea of Galilee, it doesn't just receive this fresh water. No, no, no. The Sea of Galilee has an outlet on the other side. So the fresh water comes in and it passes through the Sea of Galilee. It has this outlet and it just keeps going. And as a result of that, the Sea of Galilee is full of fish. It's full of life. There's all kinds of activity that comes around the Sea of Galilee and it is a blessing to all of Israel and even into some neighboring countries. Water comes in, Water passes through it and goes out, and it's teeming with life. You know, Scripture reminds us over and over again that God cares very much how we live our lives. It matters very much how we think about God's blessings, how we think about God's grace and his provisions in our lives. And so the question is, what kind of outlet do we give to God's provisions? I can tell you, God does not want us to be Dead Sea people. God does not want us to be a Dead Sea church, and you all know what that is, right? A Dead Sea person is somebody who receives fresh blessings from God, God's goodness, God's resources, God's provisions, God's grace, but that person never allows any of that to pass through them. It just comes to them and it sits there, and it stagnates. And when that happens, we stagnate. This isn't just a geographical principle. This is a spiritual principle. We die in a certain way when that happens in our lives. But in contrast to that, when resources and blessings and provisions of God comes flowing into your life like the Jordan River, and you unleash that back to God, when you make an outlet of generosity and you unleash those resources to the things that God cares about, 
then like a river of grace, God's blessings don't just come to you, but they come through you. And when you add kind of financial component to God's provision, then we understand that's how God moves things downstream. That's how God does what he does through us. And that, my friends, is how God's name gets glorified. That's how God's work goes forward. And that is also how we grow. It's how we expand our faith in God. It's how we learn to trust him even more. When we create this outlet of generosity in our lives, we can trust the Jordan River of God's blessings that come into our lives in an ever increasing measure. And friends, there is a lot of joy that comes with trusting God and seeing him move that way. So knowing this, knowing these truths, Jesus said what? It is more blessed. We are more blessed to give, okay, to let God's blessings come to us and flow through us and out to others. We are more blessed to give than to receive. Generosity will change you. And for the better. Paul says virtually the same thing in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, when he, when he told the church this, remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now this idea of sowing and reaping, these are farming illustrations. I mean, in an agricultural world that Paul was writing to, they would have had no, under, no problem understanding that to sow means to plant. And, and it would be the image of a farmer who has a big tote sack around his shoulder and a big bag of seeds. And as he goes out to sow his seed, he's taking handfuls of seed and he's scattering them out onto the ground. And as the farmer goes out to sow his seed, this would have been normal way of thinking for somebody back in Paul's day, and that's how we should understand it. And so the idea that Paul is trying to convey is that if a farmer goes out and he plants a seed, he sows it very sparingly, then come harvest time, what should he expect to receive? A limited crop. But he says, no, if a farmer goes out and he is very generous with the seed, if he, if he sows a lot of seed, well, come harvest time, he will reap a huge return from that initial generosity. It's sowing and reaping. That's what Paul is trying to convey. And there are spiritual aspects connected to this idea of sowing and reaping and trusting God. Now, I can tell you the first time in my life that I remember this concept of sowing and reaping and God's blessing it really hit home with me when I was 12 years old. I was 12 years old. I grew up in the suburbs of Portland, Oregon. And if you've ever been out to the Northwest, you can pretty much grow anything out there, can't you? I mean, there's some stuff that grew out there that they shouldn't grow, but there you can pretty much grow anything. And so, you know, uh, my dad, he bought a bunch of grass seed. He wanted to have a beautiful yard. And so he, he told my brother and I, my brother Tim's a little bit older than me, he said, hey boys, before I come home, I want you to spread all that grass seed over the yard. And we're like, yeah, sure, no problem. So we took all the grass seed and we spread it all over the front yard and we ran out of seed. So we called our dad and we said, hey, dad, you need to buy some more grass seed. We ran out. And he goes, what do you mean you ran out? So we went out and scattered it on the yard and it's all gone. And there wasn't anything left for the backyard. And he was like, what did you boys do? I bought enough seed to do the front yard and the backyard, and it was supposed to go, you put it all on the front yard? And we're like, yeah, it just went out everywhere. Now, I, I don't know much about planting and farming, and I, I didn't grow up that way, and I, I don't have a green thumb, but I don't know how you pick up grass seed once it's down. 
is down. And then it started to rain like it does every other day in the, in the Northwest, and it rained. And so my dad was a little irritated with my brother and I. He bought some more grass seed. We finished off the backyard. Now, fast forward a little bit of time, and that grass began to grow. And boy, did it grow. Have you ever walked through grass that was so lush, so soft, so green, that you just want to kick off your shoes and walk through it? Have you ever walked through grass? That's the kind of grass we had. And one day we're out there playing in the front yard with my dad and my dad started looking around and goes, man, boys, this yard looks awesome. It was the best looking front yard in the whole neighborhood. My dad gloried in it. Man, look at this yard. This is amazing. I've never had a yard this good. And just was loving the benefit of having this wonderful yard. And my brother, who's not a biblical scholar, he says to my dad, who was the preacher of our church, well, dad, like the good book says, You reap what you sow. Light bulb. If you realize, if you can realize today that we need an outlet and generosity is part of what it means to have faith in God, if you can make the connection of that, then you will sow generously. Your seed will go everywhere. And that reaps generously. It reaps generously in your own life. And that reaps generously in God's heart. And the kingdom will advance through generosity. That's why generosity will change you and for the better. And you know, with this Go West campaign, this is an opportunity for us to live out this principle. We are not going to be Dead Sea people. We are not going to be a Dead Sea church. We're going to try to be a Jordan River kind of people. We're going to be people that sow seeds everywhere and we sit back and watch God do amazing things. Now, I know many of you are new here today and you may not be as aware of all the plans that have gone into our Go West campaign, but many of you are and you've seen the animation, you've read all the materials, you've come to the Q&As, you've, you've been to a number of our events, you've read our mail, all that stuff. But I hope that all of you have awareness and are aware of what God has put in front of us as well as the tremendous need to reach more people with the gospel. And that's why God's moving us this way. But we are entering into a 36-month-long season in our church family where we're going to see God do just some absolutely amazing things. So much of what is going to happen is going to happen right here in our hearts I believe God is going to do a good work in each of our lives as we move forward in generosity, trusting God to fulfill this vision that he's placed on our church family to reach more and more people with the good news of Jesus. God is going to do something special in us. Now, I can tell you that our goal as we move forward will be 100% participation. We would like to see everybody who calls new life their home, every single person who has been touched by the ministry of this church. You say, my life has been blessed and, and my faith has been increased by the ministry of this church. We're counting on you to participate. We're asking you to pray about it. You know, all of you receive some kind of blessing, some kind of goodness into your life that God has brought there as a result of the ministry of this church. So let's have a real conversation as a church family, about what a step of generosity would look like in your life. Because a step of generosity is a step towards growth. 
And, and, and it's a step towards kingdom advancement. So we've got this challenge before us for 36 months. And this project that God has laid out before us is $4.5 million. And that's not chump change, is it? It's a big goal. I would say that it's probably the biggest thing that we've ever tackled as a church family together. And it's going to require all of us to step forward in generosity. And I might even go a little further and say it's going to take some radical generosity. I believe God's going to put a radical generosity vein in all of us. We can't get through it without radical generosity. And you really can't be what God wants you to be either without radical generosity, taking these steps of faith with him. Next weekend, we're calling Commitment Weekend. And when you came in here today, you're going to notice in your seats around you, you're going to see our campaign booklet. And if you don't have one of those, please take that home with you. But inside that campaign booklet is an envelope and a card. And I'd love for you to take a peek at that real quick. We would like for this to go home with you. That's all that we want to see happen today. We'd like for that to go home with you. And we're asking you to pray over this card with humility and openness. Also in your seat today, you're going to notice that there is a family meeting guide. It's just a simple front and back sheet of paper. And we're providing that for your family so that you can bring your family, whatever your family looks like and however many people are in your home. We'd love for you to let this be a guide to help work with your family and make it a family commitment and and to help you thoughtfully, prayerfully, scripturally come to what it is that God might have you do. Like I said, our, our hope, our goal is that everybody's going to say this in our church family. Okay, God, what are you calling me to do? Put this before God in prayer, and whatever he puts on your heart, just do that, and it will be the right answer. So inside the campaign booklet that you have in front of you, that we've also, you received in the mail, and you're also going to get another commitment card in the mail this week, just to let you know, covering all bases. We really want you to be praying over this. But inside your booklet, there's a place on giving in there that kind of explains what our interpretation of what it means to give excellently. For some of you, giving excellently, that might be writing the largest check you've ever written to the Go West campaign. We're gonna, there's an explanation of what it means to give regularly. Some of you are going to pray through this and you're going to make a commitment. God, I can give this much. I think you want me to give this much every month for 36 months. And that will be your commitment. There's explanation there how to give creatively. There's, uh, we want to ask you to review that and make that also part of your time in prayer. And then after considering all these things, follow God's prompting in your heart. And come back next week and you'll be able to turn that card in. And of course, all of this will be extremely confidential. Nobody will know anything about who gave what. It's all going to be confidential, but it's going to be the church family coming together with generosity to do something that God has put in front of us. And we already know God's going to bless it. I have no doubts whatsoever that if we are all in, if we're all in and we are prayed up, God will bless this adventure. Now I want to say a word to those of you that are watching online right now. And I know many of you, and I've interacted with many of you, many of you are never going to be able to set foot in our church family. That's the beautiful thing about the coronavirus in that way. God has expanded our reach. I know some of you, you lost your church family because they closed and they're not opening back up. You've moved somewhere. You haven't been able to find a church family. And, but somehow God has led you to this church family. And after interacting with many of you, I know you've said that New Life is your home church. It is a blessing to you. And, and you're never going to step foot in here. 
I want to encourage you to join us as well. Be a part of something that leaves a lasting legacy. And I know it's not in your home area, but it's in our home area. And since we're all on the same team, I believe God wants you to also consider what you might be able to give. I, I found out uh, Friday night that uh, there's a sweet lady that watches our church services every weekend from Arizona. She might be watching right now. And if you are, hello. She was inspired by what God is doing. She doesn't have a church home. She can't come to our church. There's things in her life that keep her from being able to go to church, but she has connected with our church family. You know, she sent in a commitment card without even being asked. She said, I want to be a part of this. You know what? Follow her lead. And I, I think that God's got a tremendous blessing for you as well about people you may never meet about until you get to heaven. And so I hope you'll prayerfully consider us joining that as well. Friday night, I met with the leadership of our church, and that would be the elders, that would be the staff, and, and a number of our life group leaders who lead other groups of people. We, we got together, and we had a time of prayer, and we had asked if that group, the elders, the staff, and some of our life group leaders, if they would be willing to go ahead and turn in their commitment cards already, and um, we believe it's important that the leadership of our church be all in, and I'm happy to share with you that when we added up all those commitment cards from the leadership of our church, nearly a quarter of a million dollars was committed to the Go West campaign, just from that group alone. Friends, we are all in. We're gonna see this thing through. And, and, and God is gonna bless. And I'm asking you to follow the example of the leaders of this church who are all in with what God is doing. Together, we're gonna see God do something spectacular. Now, um, I know what you know is that whenever the preacher starts talking about money, seats get a little squirmy. And if this is your first time with us, I hope you still feel right at home, even though I'm talking about giving and generosity today. I invite you to be a part of it with us. I'm not one of those preachers, and you know this, that talks a lot about money. And a lot of that is because there is a general understanding about it here at our church. There has for a long time been a generosity vein that has flowed freely through our church family. Our church family was generous before we ever mentioned the words Go West, and this church will be generous long after we stop talking about Go West. I'm so thankful that many of you are faithful tithers, and you're very generous, and your generosity is a huge reason why God is blessing this church the way that he is. Now, but let me just say a word to those of you that call New Life your home or your life's been really blessed by, by the ministry here, but you're not right now a tither. Or maybe you might describe your giving as sporadic, you know, when it's convenient, however you describe it. But if you're not a tither, can I say a word for, to you? I, I would argue that for you, taking the step to become a tither is, is a more important step for you than it is to make a commitment to the Go West campaign. And I think it's important that we as a church family begin with a tithe, and then from there we move on to other levels of generosity. So with our church family, we're not asking anybody to mess with their tithe in order to be able to give to, to the Go West. We're asking them to go above and beyond the tithe, that level of generosity. But if you're not a tither, I would say that for you, the most important thing that you could do right now is not give to the Go West. It would be to become a tither. 
Now, throughout my many years as a pastor, I've had this conversation with more people than I can remember. I constantly encourage people to be tithers. And I, I'll tell people this, that I want you to take the 90-day tithing challenge, okay? I want you to give to God for three months. I, and what I mean by that is you pray about it and, and God's gonna put an amount on your heart and you set aside that amount from your first fruits of your increase and you say, God, this is all yours. I don't care what happens in my life. This is all yours. I'm carving this out for you and I'm gonna give. I'm gonna create an outlet in my life of generosity and I'm gonna, because I believe this. Now, did you know that the Bible says that the only place that you're ever allowed to put God to a test is when it comes to tithing? Now think about this. There's so many strong words from our Heavenly Father directly from Him where He says, you can test me in this and see if I won't throw open the storehouses for you. It's because God is in control of our blessings. God brings the flow into our lives. So I challenge people this, tithe for 90 days. Don't, don't, uh, don't skip it, just tithe for 90 days. And at the end of that 90 days, let's go back and reevaluate. And, and if your life isn't better, if you haven't seen God move in your life, if you haven't seen a blessing from God, if you haven't seen any of those things and you say to me, man, this whole giving thing is a waste of time. I can't believe I wasted all this tithing money. If that's your response, then I'll tell you what, we'll give it right back to you. You can have it back. I say that to everybody. Every time I say it, our finance team gets a little squirmy. <laughs> but that's what I believe in faith. That's what the Bible says. And do you know how many times I've offered that challenge and people take me up on it and they come back to me and say, that was a waste of time. You know how many times that's happened? Never. Quite the opposite, in fact. They say to me, man, Joe, that was amazing. I, 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 I can't explain it. But I can't stop giving now because of the flow of blessings that God has brought into my life. And everybody's unique. Everybody has a different story. But every single person to the last person says the same thing. My life has been enriched through generosity. So if that connects with you, I would say that if you're not currently a tither, but you consider yourself a Christian, then become a tither. That's a more important step right now for you than making a commitment to the Go West campaign. And then after you tithe, then you can explore other levels of generosity. You know, Jesus' words ring true all the time. In his famous Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was teaching about the things that we treasure here on earth. And you know, for most people, what we treasure the most are the things that we can acquire and we can get the things that money can buy. And that, those are the things that we look to as what we treasure. And Jesus gives this teaching about, hey, I wanna throw this radical idea out there. Why don't we be more concerned, not about what we can acquire or what Jesus says is our treasure. Why don't we be more concerned about the treasure that will last forever? And of course, the treasure that lasts forever is what? It's people. It's the investments we make to change people's lives. It's the treasures in heaven. What are the treasures in heaven? It's your family. It's your loved ones. It's your friends. It's the people that you meet that now are gonna be in heaven because you treasure something more than what you could acquire here on earth. Treasures. So Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, that thing you treasure the most, he says, that's where your heart will be also. It's like Jesus is saying to the group, I think he's saying to us, show me your treasures, I'll show you exactly the condition of your heart. I hope we all know this today. Jesus doesn't need our money. You know that, right? God doesn't need our money. 
Jesus is not trying to get his hand in your wallet. I know sometimes preachers make you feel that way. I'm sorry. Jesus is not trying to get his hand in your wallet, but I can tell you this. He is desperately trying to get his hand wrapped around your heart. Jesus wants his hand around your heart because if his hand is on your heart, then you're going to share the same kind of thinking as our Heavenly Father. For where your heart is, there your treasure is. So it's no surprise that at the very end of his talk, you get to the very end of chapter 6, Jesus says what in Matthew 6, 33? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you as well. Hey, before you go home today, I'd like for you to hear from one of our longtime members here at the church about his experience with generosity and God's provision. Here, watch this. My name is Paul Mega, M-E-G-A. Uh, my wife Linda and I have been coming to this church now for 17 years. Can't hardly believe that. But it's been 17 years and we have seen quite a few changes over that period of time. It is the primary objective, and, and Pastor Joe will emphasize this, to reach out to the lost. There's a whole brand new area that we can reach out to the lost people and bring them in. That, of course, is why we're here. Jesus wants us to reach out. He doesn't want any to perish, but all to come through salvation in Christ Jesus, and that's what we're all about. The preaching is all about that. The people, the music, the music. Listen to the words of the music, it's wonderful. And everything is to glorify God first, and then everything follows in its place. And so we are going to do our part to extend the glory of God to the new area and bring in new people, saved souls. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He didn't have to do it. So we want to get that message out to people, that they would know that Jesus died for them, that their sins are paid for. All they have to do is believe. That's why the churches are there. That's why the Bible is preached. That's why we make friendships with other people. We had a wonderful experience when the, uh, the, the big addition to the church was being made. We didn't know how much to give. And when we had come to Arkansas, we were able to pay the house off in full. And, and, and as we were driving elsewhere and talking about how much should we give, donate to the church during this big uh, addition, we got a phone call from our realtor that our home was sold. Remember, we had 100% ownership, so all of a sudden, boom, we had, we had a big bonus of money. And we sh I won't tell you the amount, but it was significant. And it was our pleasure to do what we did and to watch this church grow. And we have seen that with additional changes and additional growth, we continue to give generously we aren't rich, we're not rich, but we're certainly not lacking anything. 
And I'll tell you something, the tithe, the tithe works. Why does it work? Because God promises it will. And we just made a commitment that we were going to tithe and we're doing it up to today. God is blessing us because we're obedient to him. And, and we know what it means to be a part of a good, good body. This is body of Christ. The church is the building. We are the church, the body of Christ. We're blessed to be the body that we are. And we want to remain loyal and faithful. And we want to be part of the growth as we go west. Radical generosity. You please take that card home with you. Make it a matter of prayer this week. And let's watch God move in mighty ways. Can I pray for you? Dear God, I just pray over our church family. Lord, I pray you move among us in great ways. And Lord, I know there might be some who say, well, what can I give? I, I, I don't have anything. Lord, open our eyes to see, Lord, that you're looking at our heart more than you're looking at our bank account. And Lord, there's others that have been blessed beyond measure. Lord, help us to not be tight-fisted, but to say, Lord, I want to open up the storehouses of your blessing for you. Because again, it's not about how big the barn is, it's about the heart. Lord, we also know that you're not looking for equal gifts, you're looking for equal sacrifice. So Lord, wherever we find ourselves in life, get a hold of our heart, Lord, and help us to trust you and to create an outlet of generosity and watch you bless. Lord, this is our prayer. Help us in our faith. In Jesus' name, amen.